It's time once again for the Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. What are the three basic types of weaknesses and how should we approach them? We'll look at that in our thought of the day. And in our interview segment, renowned executive leadership coach Lolly Daskal takes a look at the gaps that can keep any of us from realizing our full leadership potential, how we can recognize those gaps, and how we can fill them in. That and more on today's show. I thank you for joining us. Human condition is such that we all have our share of strengths as well as our share of weaknesses. There are many philosophies in terms of dealing with and working with those strengths and improving upon our weaknesses. One of the most famous was included in Benjamin Franklin's The Autobiography, where he discussed how he took 13 weaknesses and turned them into strengths. Now, some people say, forget about your weaknesses. Instead, simply focus on your strengths. In the business sense, and when it comes to delegating tasks, well, that makes sense. It wouldn't make sense to focus on the hours of paperwork you need to do after a sale when your strength is to be doing the selling. Yes, you should understand the paperwork, but you probably don't need to become an expert at it. General knowledge will suffice, providing you're able to delegate to someone competent in that regard. Same with hiring an accountant to do your taxes or a financial advisor to handle your investments. Again, that's not to say you shouldn't at least have a basic understanding, a working knowledge, but the time you take to learn to become as much of an expert as they are is time away from developing your core competency. So sure, lead with your strengths. However, by and large, to simply ignore your weaknesses, at least most of them, is most likely counterproductive. Actually, I'd say that For most of us, there are three types of weaknesses, and they call for different approaches. First are the weaknesses that we can ignore. For example, I'm not very good at running long distances. And at age 59, and totally not planning on running any marathons, I can ignore that. It's not something I feel the need to work on. Second are the weaknesses that, while not life, relationship, or career-threatening, are rather important and must be mitigated. Personal example would be my love of junk food and lack of desire to work out. (laughs) Pizza, donuts, ice cream sundaes with extra everything would be all day, every day, if I could get away with it. And working out? Perish the thought. But I can't do that and remain healthy and productive. So I have a personal trainer who comes to my house six mornings a week and works me out, and she prepares my meals for the day so that I know exactly what I can eat. And I don't bring Oreo cookies into the house so that I won't be tempted by them. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a health nut, for lack of a, a better word. It's real, That's not a really good word. But, but let's just say nobody who knows me would ever confuse me for being a health uh, fanatic. But I do stay healthy because of the steps I've consciously taken to mitigate my weakness in this regard. Then there's the third type of weakness, and this is the weakness that does indeed need to be focused on in order that we can turn that weakness into a strength. This is what Ben Franklin did and what I did about 25 years or so ago that made such a huge difference in my life. 
Just one example of one weakness I needed to change and turn into a strength was my anger. I've discussed that in this podcast before. I lived in anger, and it made me not only unhappy, but much less effective with others and much less effective career-wise. Fortunately, I was able to turn that around, and many people tell me they find it hard to believe that was ever an issue for me, and I appreciate that. Another couple of my personal weaknesses that I've discussed in this podcast were my lack of gratitude and my propensity to gossip and speak ill of others. Ignoring those major weaknesses would not have helped. It would have only gotten worse. These weaknesses were what one could call gaps in my effectiveness. I believe we do need to work on our gaps, and when we do, we can realize a remarkable difference in ourselves and, again, in our effectiveness both personally and professionally. Up next, we'll speak with Lolly Daskal, who's done some amazing work in terms of how we as leaders not only can be aware of the gaps that keep us from reaching the next level, but how to bridge from gap to greatness. Back with Lolly Daskal right after this. Let me ask you, would you like to become objection-proof? Would you like to close sales gentler, easier, and more effectively than ever before? Would you like to never again have to discount your prices? Would you like to learn the one thing that motivates every human being to action and the only reason why people ultimately buy? Do you want to more effectively than ever before communicate the exceptional value that you provide to your customers and clients? If you answered yes to these questions, then what you want is to learn how to sell the go-giver away. If you'd like to dramatically increase your ability to influence and sell, then check out my one-hour audio program, Selling the Go-Giver Away. For more information, click the link in the show notes. Lolly Daskal is one of the most sought-after executive leadership coaches in the world. Her extensive cross-cultural expertise spans 14 countries, six languages, and hundreds of companies. Of her many awards and accolades, Lolly was designated a Top 50 Leadership and Management Expert by Inc. Magazine. Huffington Post honored Lolly with the title of The Most Inspiring Woman in the World. Her writing has appeared in Harvard Business Review, Inc.com, Fast Company, Huffington Post, Psychology Today, and others. Her newest book is The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness, and it's terrific. With a foreword by the iconic Marshall Goldsmith, Ms. Daskal's book is all about discovering what stops many leaders from truly living up to their greatest potential and how to overcome those gaps. Her website is Lolly Daskal, and that's L-O-L-L-Y-D-A-S-K-A-L.com. And you can pre-order her book at theleadershipgapbook.com. Of course, links to both of those sites will be in the show notes. Hi, Lolly. Hi, Bob. What a great honor it is to be here. The honor is ours. Hey, as you discuss early, this is a problem that many leaders rarely confront on their way up, but all of them eventually must face. So what is that problem and, and why don't they face it? What a great question. See, the truth is, is that what gets someone to be successful, right? Whatever mm -hmm. the competent is, whatever the capabilities are, after a while, they only know what they know, right? 
It's mm-hmm. what if whatever got them there, as Marshall likes to say, won't get them there to the next level. But most people, most leaders, most high achievers don't think of it that way. They stick to what they know and they think that's what's going to take them to the next level. And that's where they get in trouble. Most leaders have to rethink what they know and what they don't know in order to excel. Yeah, I guess sometimes they got to where they got uh, despite some of the uh, traits, right? <laughs> not, not because of them necessarily. <laughs> yes, that's true too. Um, so I, I, I loved one of your quote. Well, I loved a lot of your quotes, but I love this one from early in the book. Greatness lies in the gaps between where you are and where you want to be. Is it about leveraging those gaps? First, knowing them, I guess, right? The thing about the gaps is that if you don't know you have a gap, you can't identify them, you're not aware of them, and you can't leverage them. The way a person can tell we might have a gap is when they're feeling they're not taking themselves to the next level, that they're not getting the results that they want. People aren't responding to them the way they want people to respond to them. That's indication that something is going wrong. When that is true, one has to be very courageous and say, what's going on? I'm doing what I've been doing. I have been successful, but I'm not taking myself to the next level. That is the void. That is the gap that keeps you from your greatness. You have to figure out what that void is. And within my system, you could figure out that void and have insight how to take yourself to the next level. So you discuss the seven leadership archetypes, and very interestingly, and, and I'm going to say, Lolly, uh, that this is different from what you typically read about when, when you read about these types of things, because you look at both the light side of the archetype and the dark side. So tell us what those archetypes are, if, if you don't mind. Um the competing sides, the polarity of character, and only one of them leads to greatness. What are what are the seven? I want to talk about that. So think about it as an acronym. The acronym is RETHINK, and it stands for, and I'll go into them in a detail in a minute, but it's the rebel, the explorer, the truth teller, the hero, the inventor, the navigator, and the knight. What these archetypes stand for are very important for a leader to rethink where they are if they want to go they want to unleash their greatness. But the interesting thing is why this is a little bit different as you just said, there is a polarity within each one of these archetypes that if we're not aware of it, we can't identify it, this is where the gap, this is where the void, this is where the shadows, this is where the masks are within us. And so let me just go over a little in some detail so you understand what this looks like. So the first one is the rebel. The rebel is very passionate about an idea, about a cause. And in order to create um, something that's significant, they need to have the quality, the characteristics of confidence. Now, one thing, Bob, I'm a big component that I don't believe confidence comes from standing in front of a mirror and saying, I'm great, I'm wonderful, I'm so smart. No, for me, confidence is about having the competence and the capabilities. If you have that, you could be the rebel. But for every rebel that is out there, there is a gap. And the gap is the person that feels like an imposter who has self-doubt. And it sounds like if they only knew that I'm not as smart as they think I am, I'm in big trouble. And we can go on detail a little bit later, but I want to get through the archetypes. Lolly, what is the difference between confidence and competence? The difference between confidence and competence is confidence is believing you're able. 
competence is knowing you're able. Ah. So the second archetype is the explorer. The explorer is someone who wants to create something new, who wants to do something that hasn't been done before, mm. go to uncharted territory. But the way to do that is, is different than any other characteristic. They have to tap into their intuition. When you can tap into your intuition, you let go of control, you go with the flow, and you create something new. But there is a big gap. <laughs> And the explorer who, who allows themselves to let go, there is the gap of the exploiter who manipulates. The exploiter is someone who needs control. The exploiter is someone who feels out of control. And because they feel out of control, they try to manipulate the situation. And that's not a win-win. It can end up costing in a leadership and it can end up costing in your business and it definitely costs you in your greatness. The third archetype is the truth teller. What's interesting about the truth teller is the truth teller feels that they must tell the truth. They must speak up. They must speak with candor. But there is a gap. For every truth teller that is out there and says, I must tell the truth, there is a gap of the deceiver who causes suspicion. And this sounds like this. They withhold information. They don't want to say everything that's going on. And so... They create suspicion around them because people know they're lying. People know they're withholding information. And as we know, that is never a win-win, either in business or in leadership. But you say that is a, that's the, the shadow part of a person who tells the truth. Are they one and the same, though? I mean, are they also a truth teller and a liar? So how does that um, work together? Or are they two different people? No, what a great question. We're the sum of both parts. That's what it is. We have both within us. There's research that says that when people speak, every third sentence is a lie. This is who we are. And so it's not because we're bad people. You know, the person that is a deceiver who creates suspicion is not out to say, oh, I'm here to deceive people. No, but it's the sheer fact that they withhold information causes people to view them as a deceiver, causes people to feel they're, be, you know, they're suspicious about who you are. So that's why we have to be very transparent and we have to be vulnerable and we have to speak up and say what we mean to say because the truth does prevail. And so it's part of who we are, but this is what we call about leveraging it. So we are aware of our, that we lie. We are aware that we have a tendency to do that, but we have to be more mindful to tell more, more of the truth. Okay, number four is the hero. The hero, and this is very interesting, Bob, because people feel like the hero is someone that needs to be the person that runs into a burning building or to do something really courageous. And that's not what the hero is. I believe there's a hero within all of us. And that hero is the person who can just face their fears, who looks at something that is fearful and is courageous about it, is brave about it. And that happens on a constant basis, on a daily basis, things that come at us and we're afraid. And are we going to choose to be afraid or we are going to choose to be brave about it? You see, and you could do the gap. There is a gap to the hero. The gap is that we could be the bystander who is fearful. And this is what a bystander sounds like. It's they see something and they do nothing. 
They hear something and they say nothing. Why? Because they're fearful. They spend their lives on the bystander avenue, looking at everything going on around them. They allow things to happen in their lives and in their business and in their leadership. And it's almost like they're a victim of what's happening around them. And so we have to be very careful that we need to be courageous. We need to speak up and do things. That's what the hero is all about. Okay, we'll do quickly the last five, uh, last three. Uh, the uh, the invention. The inventor is someone. Inventor, excuse me. The inventor. <laughs> That's okay. The inventor is someone who is about all inventions, exactly like you said, is an innovator. Now, when we do something, when we create something, the characteristic of this is extremely important, Bob. It has to be something that is done with excellence. And when you do something with excellence, it's a person of integrity. You can imagine a person who creates something and has integrity about it. That's greatness. But there's a gap. And the gap of the inventor who has integrity is the destroyer who is corrupt. And you might say, wow, that's very harsh. But let me say what it sounds like. The destroyer who is corrupt is a business or a leader that says, Ugh, let's do it cheaper. Let's do it faster. Let's cut some corners. They won't know. Let's, you know, uh, if this is an expensive part, let's make it cheaper. Nobody will ever see it. Nobody will ever know we did it. That can end up costing you and end up biting you, you know where, in your business and in your leadership if you, mi- if you don't mind that gap, if you don't leverage that gap. The next archetype, I think this happens to 99.9% of high-achieving individuals, is the archetype of the navigator. The navigator is someone that is extremely smart. They're very good at solving problems. They always have practical, pragmatic solutions. And because that is true, people trust them. People go to them when they have a problem, but there's a gap. And in that gap is the fixer who is arrogant. And it sounds like this. Oh, I have a problem. Oh, you do? Well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I told you to do this. I don't understand. Last time I did this and you didn't do this. It's someone who's constantly telling you how to fix your problems. People come to you for help, but they don't want you to fix it. They want you to engage them and empower them. And this one in particular um, archetype is extremely important for us to be mindful of and learn how to leverage. Okay, and let's wrap up with the knight. The knight is the archetype, and it's not about gender. The knight is about the characteristic of the knight. The knight is someone who is about serving others, is about loyalty, is about protecting others. It's about what can I do for you? It's the go-giver, right? It's what you talk about so beautifully, Bob. And But there's a gap for every go-giver who is loyal and gives and serves. And that's the mercenary who's self-serving. It's even in the word mercenary. It's me, me, me. What have mm-hmm. you done for me lately? And we know great leadership is all about us. What can we do together? How can I serve you? How can we protect each other? And if we are self-serving, we usually don't really get what we want. It's usually the one that keeps us in our gaps. It's usually the one that keeps us in our shadows and keeps us from our greatness. In the book, you had uh, wonderful examples of these different archetypes. You also had some great success stories. So in the, in the, the minute that we have left, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, to share an example 
from one of the above that was a real success story because you're, you know, you're working with, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know Lolly, I mean, she works with the biggest of the biggest. So share with us a success story, someone who really didn't see their gap, who you helped identify it and, and who really turned it around. So there's a opening story and I changed his name because I couldn't say who he was, but there's an opening story about Michael. And I found Michael's story to I think people can really relate to this on many levels. Um, I was was called in to help Michael in his position as a CEO by his board members. And they said, you know, he's a great CEO. He has great characteristics, but his top performers are leaving. Employment engagement is down. Um, People are very, very unhappy, but he's so good. He's so smart. He's so good at what he does. And he, he's filled with these wonderful qualities as a leader, but we don't know what's wrong. And so I met with Michael and he talked to me about what was important to him. And I was listening and he kept stressing the concept of we must tell the truth all the time. We must speak with candor. Uh, and I said, wow, you're a truth teller. He goes, yes, truth is so important to me. And he kept going on and on and on. And I was a little wary after like 15 minutes hearing about truth and the importance of truth. And I was like, it's one of my archetypes about how to stand in greatness, but there's something about the way he's speaking that's really coming across as there might be a problem here. There might be a big mask that he's wearing. And so he was telling me all the stories, how it's important to tell the truth. And then I stopped him and I said, Michael, what is the biggest lie that you've ever told? And Bob, I thought he was going to kill me. (laughs) I (laughs) thought he was going to, and he looked at me like I was crazy. And then after a few minutes, he said, you know, when I was in high school, I did something and I lied about something. And I promised myself at that very young age that if I got away with it, I would never again lie and I would always tell the truth. It would become almost like my banner. I would tell the truth and tell the truth. And I explained to him that by carrying the secret, by holding on to this, it's almost like carrying a big watermelon, hiding it under your jacket and hoping nobody sees it. People understand that the truth is very important to you, but it's coming across as not as a greatness, but as a gap. And people are thinking that you're a deceiver and suspicious and people are not liking it. The culture is suffering. The employment engagement is suffering. People don't want to be around you. And he's like, wow, I never thought of it that way. I just didn't want it. I always wanted to tell the truth. And once he got the story off his chest and he realized he could let it go and he made a big mistake and he didn't have to keep paying for that one lie, he found himself able to relax and things really started to change around in his leadership and in his business. And the board wanted to know what was this big secret? What, what was I able to do to Michael? But it was, I didn't say what it was, but it just was a big game changer for him. And many great stories just like that throughout the book. The book is The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. Get the book at The Leadership 
gapbook.com. She also has a really cool leadership assessment that you can take and you'll learn what archetype you lean to. Uh, And by all means, if you're a leader and you can use her assistance, and I'd imagine we all can, Lolly is wonderful. Contact her for that as well. Her website is lollydaskell.com. Again, get her book at theleadershipgapbook.com. Both of those sites will be in today's show notes. Lolly, thank you. I wish you much, much success with this wonderful book. Thank you. Main takeaway I received from Lolly is that as leaders, we can choose to let the gaps become wider or we can choose to leverage them in order to help us become the great leaders we have the potential to be. How are you in that area? Are you able to take an honest look at yourself or accept feedback from others and recognize your gaps? How will you utilize the wisdom Lolly shared with us in order to take that next step forward in your leadership journey? Please feel free to write to me at bob at berg.com and let me know. We might even share your email on an upcoming program. Remember, the Go-Giver makes an excellent gift to those in your life in order to help them lead better, sell more, and touch the lives of more people in positive and significant ways. Visit thegogiver.com and check out the new expanded edition of the book. And while you're there, check out John David Mann's and my newest book, The Go-Giver Leader. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit thegogiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review, and your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, The Go-Giver Way, Five Principles for Creating a Culture of Excellence. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Berg. Make it a great day.